Hi, I'm Keegan. This is GM Talks. I am joined by Dixie and Neil, two of the developers for Exalted Essence. Uh, so glad to have you guys on. Glad to be here. This is exciting. Yeah, thank you for having us on. So I guess I'm going to have to ask the first hard-hitting question, and that <laughs> is, um, that is, is Gem as volatile and explosive in essence, essences as it is in every other edition of Exalted? I would have Gem's to be a Neil question. Have we have we defined gem at all? Gem is about to explode. Perfect. That's that's really all everyone wanted, I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean I I definitely came to this project as the like stand-in for the newcomers to Exalted. So I've been purposefully not trying to learn too much more about it as we go through Essence and letting the team provide me with knowledge. Okay. Um, because I have never played it before until Essence. And so this was kind of like, I wanted to play it, but I am definitely not, like, I will hit rules paralysis so hard. I know there's like 800 charms in the core. Um, and I was like, I, I don't know if this game is for me, but the setting sounds so cool. And then I would read the novellas we were coming out with. I was like, this sounds so cool. And so, like, I have still not learned as much as I probably will in the future about the, uh, the cosmology and uh, geography of of Exalted, okay. but I I am I am excited to learn going forward. So so when I started, I started with second edition, and mm -hmm. um, they went to Gem, and we hadn't read anything. We weren't on the forums yet, anything like that. And they're like, this place is on a powder keg. Let's lure the wild hunt in and comically use a long fuse to just blow up the city. And a couple months after that plan, I bought the uh, the direction book for the South, and there is mm -hmm. a sub box that says, "So you wanna blow up Gem?" Gem <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, in first edition was also noted to have a lot of like a lot of dooms headed its way, and uh, yeah, it's a it's it's been a powder keg for the fan base for quite a while. It has. Uh, it's great though it's one of the funnier running jokes in the series i think well i love uh, that so for those who might not be in the know uh could you explain what uh exalted essences is yeah um i'll take that one because neil has a lot more to say about conversion stuff uh <laughs> so like i said uh, back in 2018 when i joined onyx path as an in-house developer uh one of the lines that rich put me in charge of was exalted and i was almost completely unfamiliar with it at that point um i was i, I was aware of it in like high school as the anime game because i was you know 16 in 2001 when it came out uh but back then it wasn't cool to be a weeb so i was trying real hard to be like i don't play the anime game i'm goth kid i play vampire yeah <laughs> um and now, of course, everyone in the world's into anime, and I could have been ahead of the curve, but no. Uh, <laughs> so once I joined, I was like, oh, I want to, you know, I got to learn about this, but obviously I'm going to lean really heavily on Eric and Vance and the other developers to, like, steer the line. I'm just mostly going to file pay sheets and project manage. But then within the first year or so, especially talking to Neil, talking to Monica, talking to some of my other friends who play um, and who work on it, I was like, I really want to make, like, a streamlined version. Like, I know we're not going to, you know, make it... Eat, like simple because it's never going to be like a, a, a truly narrative simple only game but i wanted to simplify 3e um take it down to about the difficulty level of like a chronicles of darkness game like a mid-range one you know uh and I, I pitched it to rich and to paradox and they picked it up and then i found out after i did that that Several other people notably people like neil and monica had been wanting to make this project for years so I was like, cool, make it. Uh, so it is a streamlined version of Exalted 3rd Edition. It still is a supplement to Exalted 3rd Edition. It's not a new edition. Um, so you can use all the setting material from 3E to play. And we are working with Eric Advance to make sure that nothing that we put in this book contradicts any of their plans for the main line coming up. But it does have all 10 Exalt types, because we know that realistically, even if we do a book a year like we were doing for a while, which we kind of fell off with with 2020, but it was 2020. Um, even if we do a book a year, there's still 10 years to get all the Exalt types out, right? Um, yeah. Maybe maybe eight, if you consider the Gatimians and Liminals kind of like side splats. Uh, but it's still a long time if you really, really want to play Abyssals or Alchemicals or, you know, one of the kind of later ones. 
Um, and I want people to be able to play those now because I was I've seen the fan community. People were so excited for how we revitalized first Dragon Blooded and then Lunars. Um, people loved the realm and all its descriptions of, of the realm, and they were just hungry for more Exalted. And I wanted to be able to give that to people too and say like. Sorry, I can't make all the 500-page books come out faster, <laughs> but I can give you at least a little peek so you can play Abyssals at your table. And also, a lot of new people, like me, would look at the 3E core and look at the, you know, 800 charm charm section and go, like, I don't, I, I'm not going to read that because <laughs> I'm definitely not the kind of player who reads RPG books for fun. I'm the kind of player who flips the like flips to the sections that they need. Like, oh, it's D&D, so I'm going to flip to the, you know, gnome section, and then the ranger section, and then the ranger spells section, and then the equipment section, and I'm done. Like, I'm not going to read the whole book. Um, and just the thought of trying to parse through all the solar terms is really a lot for me. And I'm not saying it's bad. A lot of people really love it. I really love it. It's great. It's just not the way I like to play. Um, and I also like the idea of having mixed exalt parties. Uh, in regular, in like main exalted, it's often assumed that your circle is comprised of the same. I said comprised of, as if that's a grammatical anomaly that I don't murder out of everybody's drafts. Uh, but every exalted circle comprises like the same kinds of exalts. Um, and I think it's interesting, like, to put a few different ones together. You don't have to. You can still play an all-solar game or an all-lunar game. Um, but you can also play a game like we just played for uh, Vorpal Tales on Onyx Path's Twitch, which was an abyssal, a liminal, a solar, a lunar, and an alchemical. Um, and it was fun. It was fun seeing how we all acted together. It was it was it was interesting. It might not work for every group. The groups might want a house to rule out one of the kinds or two of the kinds, and that's totally fine if you just don't see your solar ever working with an infernal. But um, yeah, I like it. I've also been in D and D games where they're like everybody has to be neutral or above. So same kind of thought, you know, like maybe no one gets to play an abyssal. That's okay. I like playing abyssals. But yeah, that's 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 what it is. That's where it came from. Um, that's my little short history blurb of it. Uh, with, I, I, just, I really wanted to play Exalted, and I wanted other new people to play Exalted. And if you hear this on the recording, I'm sorry, somebody is hammering, I think, on the wall behind me. Because that's what life is like when you're in a quarantine still. Yeah, that's fair. I don't hear anything, so we're good there. Well, if it picks up, I apologize yeah. to the listeners. If not, there's a phantom hammering sound you can't hear. Right. And so, actually, that kind of makes me think, and I thought about this while reading some of the updates, is it kind of feels like the... Uh, because you mentioned D&D. It's like the basic expert set of uh, Exalted. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Um, and of course, we are doing a companion that's been funded with the Kickstarter where we're going to add some additional charms and martial arts and a few optional canon types that just we've, we just had a stretch goal for that's super exciting. Uh, so that'll be a fun way to like add more to it for players that want more. But I can tell you that after the charms and the artifacts chapters came out, martial arts and everything, if you go into the Exalted fan discord, it's just nothing but people homebrewing their own things. It's so easy to homebrew in this system. Okay. And so since you brought up uh, conversion, uh, Neil, um, how easy is that? And um, how often do you foresee people kind of jumping between the systems or, you know, trying to bring things over? So I can definitely see people who like Essence and want to uh, want to have a, a, a sort of broader, grander experience, want to um, really flesh out their specific Exalt-type themes and charms. Um, I can see them uh, you know, go, going to EX3 and migrating over and using the full rules in there. But if they mm -hmm. don't want to do that, they could definitely take those charms uh, in third edition, and then backport them over to Essence. We have a charm design section for Exigence, and we also have a conversion uh, guide. And some people have commented that it's it's uh, somewhat bare bones, and part of that is because of the word count, but the other part of that is because a lot of it is fairly intuitive, and a lot of that is fairly easy. We tell you, we tell you what effects, um, you know, what effects we use, what effects we don't. And we make it fairly easy. And I've already seen the homebrew uh, for Essence uh, explode. People are making lots of charms. People are making converting martial arts styles. People are converting other charms that we didn't have in the Essence manuscript. Really having a great time. And that just goes to show how easy it is and how um, easy it would be at your table to translate that. 
Yeah, I can speak to that a little bit too in that like I've never been a homebrew person with other systems. Like the most I might do is go to my, you know, DM or storyteller and be like, hey, this thing gives you two strength. Can I make it give me two decks instead for my ranger? I don't know. I'm just, you know, throwing something out there. That's like the most I would ever homebrew really. Um, or the past that I tended to use things just out of the box or, you know, built them in the way the books told me to. And with this one, when I was making the characters, well, tweaking the characters, I didn't make all of them, but tweaking the characters for our uh, Kickstarter game that we just did, like, I made artifacts for everybody and it was really easy. I asked Monica for help on a couple of, like, ideas for high-level evocations, but all in all, like, the, the stuff I did on my own was fine. Like, it, it worked fine. It worked great. I, I took something and converted it to something else. And, like, this is not the kind of work I've ever done on an RPG um, that I was just playing. And I keep doing it for Essence, and I keep enjoying it. Okay. Very cool. So, I guess we'll get to some... Since you'd mentioned being a weeb, what are the big anime you pull for when you run your own games? I don't run games. Um, I've never been... I have anxiety, uh, which anybody who's listened to the Pathcast knows. I have, I have anxiety prime. And uh, I get really, like, caught up in myself when I have to improv for a bunch of other people. Like, I can play a character, but when I'm the one world building, I, I have a lot of trouble with it. Um, that said, as anyone who knows me at all knows, I am a huge Sailor Moon fan. Um, so I will happily make any characters based off Sailor Moon characters. Um, I also really love Re Re Revolutionary Girl Utna, which we talk about a lot as uh, an inspiration for various parts of Exalted. Uh, but past that, my, my main inspiration recently has been Genshin Impact, <laughs> which is, uh, for those who don't know, is a free game. Uh, it's a gacha-style game, but also it's essentially Breath of the Wild, but more anime. Um, and I've been playing the crap out of that recently, and it's all these characters with elemental powers and giant swords that they really could have just called Diclaves, because they are. Uh, running around and, you know, beating the crap out of bad guys and fighting other people and stuff. And, like, I've been playing that for the past couple months now since a bunch of people kept recommending it to me. And uh, it is extremely exalted. <laughs> like, it is a very exalted game. Uh, so that's, that's where I've been going from, though I know that Neil has a ton of inspirations he pulls from when he runs. So he's probably got way better answers than I do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely pull a lot from the, the very classic first edition novels. I read, I read or watched pretty much everything in the Exalted First Edition recommended media list. It was probably the first recommended media list that I've ever, I'd ever poured over in a role-playing game. So got to watch Ninja Scroll, got to watch Princess Mononoke, Escaflone in terms of anime. And it's just like really, some of, the, some of that stuff doesn't hold up. I, I, I wouldn't say Ninja Scroll entirely super palatable for, for in, in uh, 2021. But uh, it's still something I think about, and it's still something I do. And so is uh, like the the novel Knights Master by Tanith Lee, Love which is a huge book. inspiration for Exalted. Yeah, it um, it also is problematic in the year of our Lord 2021, as much of the media is in the past. But one of the other things that I was commenting on is um, I watched the new She-Ra, and uh, I was talking actually to Dixie and saying. Um, it definitely felt very exalted to me. You've got this post-apocalyptic magic, mm -hmm. uh, magic kingdom. In terms of other stuff, I pull from. I try to pull from real-life scenarios. I try to pull from history. I try to take a look at interesting cultures and sort of mash them together in synergistic ways, which allow a lot of the cultures in Exalted are made. So, if you look back and you read history and you find an interesting event that happened, you can just exaltify it. One. I did run a Sidereals game exactly once, and what I basically had them do is pause the Trojan War. They had to they had to get uh, the the queen of one king to fall out of love with him, and then fall in love with another king and run off with them. And then the other king, so hopping mad, he pulled all the surrounding nations to go after his wife. I, I would do that differently a little bit again in 2021, but I'm actually pretty proud of that one. Okay, that makes sense. I remember now years uh, with second edition my players would give me the look of don't you dare because every time they got into a war strider <laughs> i went over to youtube and they're like don't don't do it and i'd start playing the like orchestral escaflone theme 
time. <laughs> yes. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing is that, like, because Exalted is such a blend of anime and wuja and martial arts and, you know, just big epic fantasy, almost anything that isn't ultra modern or super futuristic could probably be fodder for Exalted if you wanted it to be. Um, especially because, you know, games can run the gamut of, like, world changing to, like, changing this village. So. You can do all kinds of different things in Exalted. Like, we just helped make time flow correctly in my recent game. And it was by a, a, a storyteller who had never run Exalted before, uh, which was kind of the point. Like, we wanted to give it to someone who had never seen it to see what they did with it. And because we do leave the setting so kind of open in essence, like, there is a setting chapter, but it's not nearly as detailed as any of the other books. So it, it really is almost like like a and d level or even a like L5R level where they give you a nice little like, you know, several page overview of the cosmology and creation and what it's like, but they don't tell you every single thing about it. And they don't say you have to set your game here. Like you can make up any location that you want across creation. And if it works for your table, it works for your table. Like no one from Onyx Path is going to show up at your table and take it away from you and say, no, you can't do that because so-and-so lives there canonically. Like I, it's it's fine. I don't know, I could see Dawkins shitposting on my Facebook if he found out. Uh. I mean, Dawkins will shitpost at you. Um, oh, I, I shitpost back. <laughs> but that said, I was just talking to him today about how you could use the plot of any James Bond Jr. episode as they came from classified scenario. Uh, and you totally can. So nice. I just shitpost right back at him. Oh, that's, that's how you gotta do it. It's fun. Wait a minute, uh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, what? I remember James Bond Jr., but that implies that James Bond actually had a son. Actually, it's his nephew. It's his nephew? Yeah. You can be a junior and be a nephew? I guess so. Q's That's... grandkid is named IQ in that show. I... And then... <laughs> I both hate and love that. <laughs> uh, there's a character named Goldie Finger. She's like Goldfinger's granddaughter. I didn't write the show. It came out when I was six. Okay. I didn't even know the show existed. <laughs> just, it's a, it's a just... cartoon that was on in the very early 90s called James Bond Jr. And it was yeah. about this kid who was at like a prep school and he was James Bond Jr. And him and his friends kept getting into scrapes with like actual Bond villains like Jaws and Dr. No and Knick Knack. But also like the kids of random villains or like the nephews of random villains. And they would be people like Goldiefinger. It was not, a, it probably doesn't hold up, but it was yeah. fun when I was six years old. Fair. I was going to say, that's good, though, because I, I noticed this in myself and other people who'd run Exalted for a while, or at least when they started off, is because there was so much setting information, a lot of them would gravitate towards the uh, pre-made uh, cities and things like that. And even though creation in the second edition book was like, they said every inch on the map was 800 miles, you found yourself shrinking the map to get to the, I guess, the uh, the key key locations faster. Then the anecdote about that, Neil, that it's actually, like, that that was an error. The map? Yeah, well, like, the fact that everything was so far apart from yeah. each other. Oh, yeah, so so th there is a story behind that. If you, if you listen to, to some developer commentary and you were around in the very earliest days and you read the um, Making of Exalted, um, so the map was originally ten times smaller. And at the very last minute, when they were draw when they were actually commissioning the art for the maps, they decided to just boost up the scale. But everything was still kind of situated near one another. And when they were writing Scavenger Sons, you have these nations that should be fifty miles away and are now five hundred miles away. And so you have like Lookshy caring about what happens in like uh, the the Marukani nation. Or you have Lookshy like harassing Great Fall, Great Falls, or Great Falls or something, and it's like those are like three thousand miles apart. Like they, <laughs> they would not care. Yeah. So, yeah. It just, it just, it. It's one of the things that we kind of quietly fixed in third edition because you'll notice like Lookshy now, Lookshy no longer has an opinion on Great Falls, but what Eric and Vance took to doing is something they called postage stamping. And that's having these little paragraph, two paragraph vignettes about the neighbors of 
the city that you're detailing. So um, even if you're detailing Lukshai, you get the, the client states around Lukshai that it cares about. And you get a little bit of detail about them and enough that the storyteller can pick it up and run with it. Okay, cool. Yeah, now that's... That I noticed that like you just artificially shrank your world because the second edition's like these are the travel times and everyone was just like no they aren't yeah or you just skip travel times like we went from um, the hundred kingdoms to Mahalanka in the game I just played and the storyteller was just like yeah it takes you a couple days and you get there we're like okay we'll just skip it <laughs> <laughs> because it wasn't like we we weren't gonna do a you know several session travel scene because we were doing a four shot like it was supposed to be a month-long game yeah so there's no way that we're gonna role play all that when it's like let's just get to mahalanka see what happens there do you guys have any particular stunts you're proud of when playing uh any kind of like epic stunt that you were just like yes all of mine are really gory because i was just playing an abyssal <laughs> perfect <laughs> i uh we were fighting a bunch of soldiers that had been like somehow magically empowered by dragon blooded. So they were technically mortal, but they were better than mortal at that point. I don't know how. It's okay. It was a storyteller decision. And I had flying guillotined one group of them. So they all just got cut in half. And then I didn't have any will built up. So I didn't. And we were kind of at the very end of the combat. So instead of taking a focus will action, um, to be able to sp to cast another flying guillotine, essentially, I just picked up one of the torsos and used my anima effect to scare the crap out of the last group. Just like picked up their friends, like severed torso, and just threw it at them, and was like, "Why are you still here, infants? Like, get go away." Um, and that was fun. I like. I think that like I come from a long line of playing like Vampire the Masquerade, so I'm, I'm, I'm used to playing like horror e characters. But because there's a masquerade in Vampire the Masquerade, you very often get to just be terrifying. Like, like, you you don't very often get to just be terrifying. And it was kind of fun playing a character who was just horrifying. Like even her her circle mates were a little like, "Ooh, she's weird." <laughs> <laughs> and I was I was weird. Uh, Neil's Neil's got some weird essence stories from his players though i know it's always the players who are doing the like i don't know how you thought of that but go yo yeah stunts was something has always been something interesting and i've always had a, a um always had a weird relationship with them so i have a long time gaming group um and the, these are people i've known for more than dec for more than two decades and um i convinced them to play exalted for the first time it was one of the first games i ran uh, and I ran it in in 2001, um, when it when it literally when it first came out, and um, we ran it for a while, and we picked up supplements, and and you know, it was great and everything. And then one of my players was like, "Well, I want to try running now. I want I want to tell some stories." So I was like, "Great, thank God! Like, I want to be a player." Um, and he had a different interpretation of stunts than how I did. I would always make these really baroque, uh, long-winded, like stunts, and he would award stunt dice to stuff that he thought was cool, funny, or tactically interesting. And so it's, we kind of had this very different opinion on what a stunt was. It always kind of stuck with me, too, that I'd make a big stunt about how awesome my character was and then totally whiff the role. And I'd be like, well, I guess that's not there. So uh, Essence definitely had an opportunity to approach stunt dice in a little bit, a little bit, a uh, more holistic a fashion, a little more forward-thinking a fashion, and one that isn't solely dependent on the whim of the people at the table. But okay. I realize it's not a cool stunt you're asking about, um, and <laughs> I, my mind is blanking. I can't think of any right now, so I just sort of started blathering about like the behind-the-scenes stuff. I do know that Neil's players in the very first Essence game he ran live did juice a chilliken. Oh, yes. No. I'm sorry. In the first Essence game I ran... Um, <laughs> I had to get into a solar tomb. I had a chilkin with them. The chilkin sitting in the sunlight for a while, and it absorbs some of the, the solar essence in its in its gem. And they're like, "How do we, how do we juice this chilkin? How do we, how do we get the solar essence out of this monkey?" And they did. Yeah, I think I think it's, I just, so. I I tend to not be a super serious gamer. Like I can play a serious game for a one shot or so, or you know. But like I I I get jokes. I can't help it I, if I, I if if. <laughs> If 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 something's ridiculous, I, I I have to point it out. Or if I think of just the worst pun, I will have to say it. 
Um, um, my co-host is similar. For a while, because we we got into, we had silly and serious moments, we eventually went like, just write down all your jokes, and then so he would just read off a litany of jokes after the session to get it all out. <laughs> so that that, and also of course when you play with friends and you know their senses of humor, that can be really fun. So the first essence game that Monica ran, Neil and I were both players in, as was Rich Thomas. Wasn't there one other player, Neil? I forgot who else played in that game. It's been a while. I am not sure. Was it Danielle? I thought we had... Maybe. I honestly don't remember. So sorry to whoever that was. Uh, <laughs> but Rich played a bear lunar named Barre Necessities. Oh, Jesus. Um, because he's Rich Thomas and he can't not make the joke. And I was playing a sidereal of endings while Neil was playing an Infernal. And at one point... <laughs> Neil tried to, like, explain the concept of death to me, a sidereal of endings. And I was like, did you just mansplain death to me? Yeah, so I don't know. I have, I, have, I have trouble keeping super serious. Like, if it's a serious scene and obviously the other players are invested, I can hold it together and not, not ruin their fun. But I just don't take games as seriously as some people do. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. We had one... It was the last Exalted game, long-running Exalted game I ever ran for second edition. I keep meaning to play third, but I always go... All my games are too long. I want to shotgun through some extra games, and so I, I tried mm -hmm. doing that, and that worked for about a year. And then I gave my players like four options uh, three years ago, and we're still on the same werewolf game. Uh, That's good, though. Oh, I was playing super long running games when I was it's, younger. It was fun. Oh, it's very fun. It's just like uh, I can shotgun through my games. Nope. Uh, <laughs> but. I still love the game. It's the one we're recording right now uh, for the podcast. But uh, during mm -hmm. this Exalted game, it was kind of like a weird mishmash of Super Grimdark and Slayers, the anime. Oh, yeah. That's, and, that's common, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't doubt it. And we had one character whose name was Humbaba, and all of his attacks were face-based. Even if he broke someone's arm, he would call it the like lateral side of the face. <laughs> and he would just he'd go he'd go off and so it was the final battle against an infernal that eight Lear became a super primordial is opening up creation his character gets hit flies through the air and because the sky is of course a physical object in creation he lands on it jumps off and he starts describing how he's breaking the sound barrier three times for his stunt <laughs> as he's riding up and he goes and then i punch him on the top of the face and he punches the air punches his own glasses off and they fly across the table <laughs> i always love it when that kind of stuff happens right that's great yeah, one of our characters in the recent one, and like this is just becoming tell us about your character, sorry. But one of uh one of my favorites in the recent one was my friend Steve wanted to play an alchemical who was also like a face style wrestler, like a wrestling champion. Uh so I designed him a soul steel and auracalcum wrestling belt as an artifact. Uh and he was pretty happy. Uh he um he he went to town and he would just like go up to people who were, you know, spying on us and just start flexing in front of them and be like, yeah, see? See how cool I am? Uh, and he was very, very, very silly. So, uh, it was fun. I like it. Yeah, the silly moments do get you. Like, there, there's some, like, especially, like, in the weird, like, grimdark moments. Like, they went into the mm -hmm. wild and there was, like, fruit with faces on them screaming. And the witch fae is telling them to pick it. And he goes, I'm gonna be honest with you, ma'am. I would rather not... Just, just like yeah. sitting straight up and just his. I think I'm gonna nope out, and he just used his athletics charms to literally Hulk jump out of any sort of moral <laughs> responsibility. Yeah, I'm also just a big horror fan, so I'm really desensitized to certain things being scary. Like I, I watch horror movies, and sometimes they're scary, but oftentimes I just kind of giggle at them. Yeah, um, no, or I try agree. to figure out how the special effects work. Because uh, yes. that's that's fun for me. Like, I like a horror movie. I mean, I was... I watched Alien for the first time recently. Uh, I had never seen it because I had been so thoroughly spoiled on it culturally that I figured I kind of knew the whole movie already. What I was not prepared for was after the chestburster scene at dinner, the alien goes like, eh! And then runs off. And I the, was like, the what the hell was that noise? <laughs> the scuttle <laughs> in hindsight is very funny. 
I will really give you that. I will give you like, that. Like, everything else about it was perfect and atmospheric, but the little sound it made right before it ran away was just, <laughs> what, what are you doing? That's not scary at all. You sound like a dying car horn. Like, oh, it was really funny. Yeah, no, so like, watching Alien, thoroughly enjoying it, knew what was about to happen because everybody knows about the dinner scene at this point, right? It's it's 2021. Um, wait waiting for it and then it happened i was like i started cracking up because i was not prepared for that noise <laughs> and i was like no it's good i'm enjoying the movie i just didn't expect that noise to happen i'm sure it was much scarier in 1979 i'm sure and uh real quick back to exalted just because i was start trying to read through because last time i caught neil off guard with asking him a uh, a mechanics question for scion uh demigod when he was on here and uh, i didn't have the time to go in as deeply as before, but I did read some mm-hmm. of the dragon blooded stuff, and I really, really like the um, the choose a merit uh, mm-hmm. per session power to represent like how much power the realm has. I actually really like that uh, that little bit there. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, I really, I really love the Prince of the Earth advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I've always been a big dragon blooded fan. I um, uh, my my favorite. One EX ults were were lunars and dragon blooded, um, and I'm you know very very happy with the way they've been presented in third edition, and the the ways we've the the places that Eric and Vance have taken them, and all the other writers as well, and how the fans mm-hmm. have really embraced them. Um, but yeah, there's something about the dragon blooded where I got very upset a lot of times reading second edition because it seemed like. It seemed like the dragon blooded were like second class exults. Even sometimes in late first edition, they were just like weak terrestrials. And I was like, these are these are the dragon blooded. These are maybe the only exults many people in creation will ever meet. Right. There's about there's like six hundred million people in creation, right? And there's only about a thousand celestial exults, period. Um, right. But there's, there's thousands of dragon blooded, and so like. That might be the only one you meet, and they're just badass. I can I can get behind that. Yeah, my like I said, my my initial introduction to them was second edition. I I really liked them, uh, but I've always been a bit of a solar and infernal person. Uh, mm-hmm. I really like the transhumanism of them in second edition. I looking forward because I know that uh, at least from reading older blogs a while ago, that's not necessarily the exact same path they're going through with third and i'm assuming essences as well they're not going to get the actual yozy charms that would be something that we'll talk about i think more in the companion but i know that neil has thoughts on that all right sure so um the they they don't have the actual charms of the yozis in addition the conceit was uh the yozis are literally made of charms they were essentially just formless blocks of essence and then you you bolted their charms and themes onto them to kind of show what they could do and what they were fundamentally about. And it also constrained them into a very narrow uh, but powerful set of possibilities. And you you can see in the document there uh, that there are several charms that were just simply ported over. Um, the Infernals of 3rd Edition draw from the themes of all the Yozis. There's a couple of Yozis that we're going we're gonna to draw on more than others. Um, but they they could in theory have powers from any of the Yozis, um, and they are not locked into becoming those Yozis themselves. Uh, but we we definitely wanted to preserve some old favorites. Um, you know, without getting too much about into the into the companion, I definitely want to broaden broaden and expand them beyond the the classic stuff that we have in um, in third edition mm-hmm. and, and in uh, essence. Oh yeah, uh, that's a very long way of answering your question about no, they don't use uh, they don't use the Yozy charms, but they use Yozy inspired charms. Right, and they have okay. super cool devil bodies, which I'm very into. Maybe I'll play an Infernal next. <laughs> I mean, all about that. We had one Infernal game once again, second edition, because that's the majority of my experience, and one mm-hmm. was a Malfian. Uh, Exult, and they were able to sneak in, and he got his axe, and they had to execute or assassinate this uh, dragon-blooded general who was starting a wild hunt after them. And they're like, mm-hmm. Ian, 
don't scream. And he's like, I don't get my excellency if I don't scream, right? That's correct. And he just screams at the table. He's like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I wrote a bunch of the, uh, the UZ excellencies with Michael Goodwin. And... Um, yeah, that that those were some of my favorites. The Malfian one is definitely awesome to me, um, and it it had the very interesting um, effect of constraining, uh, constraining. That's the wrong word. Channeling a lot of player impulses of player actions into, into mechanics to, uh, like you said, uh, scream so you get the most uh, the most out of your excellency. I think that's pretty cool. I absolutely agree. That was one of my favorite parts of that. Uh that particular book and uh we this was when we were starting to figure out man perfect or die is a uh, pretty pervasive because <laughs> we we're starting to actually play around with the charm combinations back in the day yeah i think that's also a it's like a flaw you can take in the sailor moon rpg from 2000 that you have to yell your attacks because they do that in the show um yeah, that is fun for me. <laughs> Fair. Actually, a bit of a tangent, but I saw the new He-Man trailer, and the fact that he has a Sailor Moon-style transformation is probably the selling point of the whole trailer for me. It looks really good. Like, I, was, I wasn't sure about it at first, just because I'm so in love with Noelle Stevens and She-Ra. Um, and I, I was surprised that they went kind of the opposite route as far as the art style. You know, like it's it's even more muscles than previous He-Man, and I'm like, wow, he's huge. All right, um, but I watched the trailer; and it looks really, really good. I'm probably gonna watch much of the universe. In fact, that's probably another very exalted show when you get right oh, down to yeah, it. Yeah, no, that's part of why I brought it up. I, I saw that in uh, the Skeletor uh, He-Man fight in the trailer. I'm just like, that is an mm -hmm. abyssal solar fight if I ever saw one. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm I'm very very excited to watch that when it comes out. A dusk um, versus what would that be? The not not a dusk could be the um, I'm trying to think the date the twilight equivalent in abyssals. I've just blanked on it. I'm gonna stare at Neil. <laughs> uh, the uh, daybreak cast. Daybreak. There we go. Yeah, daybreak versus a dawn. That that that's what that evoked for me. <laughs> yeah, no, I am I am excited for that one. Like, like I said, I was I, I was surprised at first, but I wasn't one of those people who like detracted it because of that i was just like oh okay very different team uh but also i do like the team behind it so i think it'll be fun yeah i always like it when longtime fans of a property get to reboot the property because like i was a big 80s she-ra fan when i was a kid and for a minute i had trouble watching the new one because i didn't like all i saw were the pictures and i was like oh this looks really like little kitty you know like i, I, don't, I don't know how i feel about this but i do love noel stevenson's comic work so I was like, well, let me check it out. And I did. And then I was like, this is the best show. I wish I had had the show when I was a kid. Like, I really wish I had had the show when I was a kid. I'm like jealous of the youth of today and the shows that they get to watch. I, I have, happen to agree. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking actually the Thundercats reboot was also a good one. And then shitty fans from the 80s basically complained enough to where studio execs were just like, oh, it's not good apparently. You know what the really shitty thing about that is? Is that, like, a couple years before that one came out, there was a, like, very hyper-realistic reboot of of Thundercats, and nobody watched it. I love that one. Canceled. Yeah, I love that and one. A couple years later, they try something different, and these shitty fans are like, I wanted a real version. Yep. It's like, yep. you, you had one, and you didn't you fucking watch it. You had your chance. I watched the first season. I bought the first season. It is amazing. <laughs> yeah, it yeah, was, was great. Like, God. And the new and the new show is also great. If you don't like it, don't watch it. Don't take right. a big dump on it. Right. Uh, that's kind of how I feel about a lot of things. Like if, when I review RPGs, if it's one I don't like, I just don't do a review because my opinion doesn't really matter that much, and I know other people like the game. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, it's always a little funny when someone comes into like a fan Discord and they're like, "Here's why this thing is crap," and you're like, "Why are you here? Yeah. Like, please, like you're obviously not actually a fan of the game that we made." I man, I tell you what, because I the big thing my page is known for is uh, World of Darkness memes for the most mm -hmm. part, and right. um, oh no, I see them floating around. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it when someone on my Facebook shares them and they don't realize I run the page and I'm like, hey, 
Uh, but um, I did one for Exalted a while ago, and someone's like, they ruined Lunars. Mahasuchi isn't this monster. And I'm like, ah, Mahasuchi was a little extra. Like, I'm pretty okay with them toning him down. Just, I just told Dixie today about Mahasuchi's torrid history through the editions. <laughs> I, how it goes from it goes from a goat in first edition, a wolf in second edition with horns would go to get in third edition. <laughs> and I mean, for the record, the whole reason we were looking this up is because someone in the Exalted fan discord said Maha plushie. And I was like, he's a goat, right? Because I wanted to look up if there was a really cute goat plushie, and there was. Mm. And then I posted in there, and it's Maha plushie. Nice. And I want one. Yeah, just like, his second edition incarnation is just like, man, that's... That was a choice. Like, it, it de definitely makes an interesting antagonist, but he's not, like... You can only go so far with that antagonist. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think, like, I, I, I love 3E Lunars, and I think a lot of the fans feel the same way. Like, under Vance and Eric's direction and all the excellent writing that we had, they really gave a lot of nuance and depth to the Lunars that I understand was lacking in previous editions. Yeah, like, I, I love Conan the Barbarian. I've read all the Howard stories. I love them despite their flaws, but I don't need 300... Conan's running around. Yeah, exactly. And first edition muddied the message a little, a, a lot. And then their charms had a lot of how do I how do I put this politely? Their charms were deliberately designed to be bad. That's that's like I, I've like it, it was it was it, it was a stated design goal that these charms should be worse and cost more than the solars. So like. Nobody wanted to. Nobody wanted to play that because their powers were not great. It was something they fixed in second edition. Second edition, they had a really functional charm set. But in rejecting a lot of first edition, I felt like there, there maybe was a little bit of the baby tossed out with the bathwater, um, and they ended up not bland, but they definitely ended up didn't end up as compelling as they could be. And I really think we, uh, really think we, uh, we, we baby bear goalie locks it on the third one. We got it just right. Yeah, no, I, I've been trying to read them. Uh, unlike Dixie, I am someone who does tend to read role-playing books for fun. Uh, I just have... Yeah, no, I have I have found that I am the anomaly in the fandom okay. when and it comes to this. <laughs> like, almost everybody that I talk to is like, it's like I read role-playing books, right? I'm like, I'm like, I have never... Okay, I, I can't say that. I have only ever read them cover to cover if I'm editing them. <laughs> That's that. <laughs> I don't read them cover to cover. <laughs> I just have a vast collection of games I want to run, and then I'm just like, one day, ooh... <laughs> <laughs> Lunars is on that list right now, unfortunately. That's okay. It happens. It can be uh, hard to figure out uh, time and a place and all that stuff during right. the game. And I mean, yeah. you got Essence on the table now, though. Yeah, you I can got get anybody on board. You can That's just play an true. all Lunars Essence game. That's true. I just got to be careful because uh, Neil, on his uh, when he he I interviewed him with the Scion thing, he was catching me on the tail end of burnout because I was doing these and then recording two games at once and editing them all in the week, and I was just like, oh, I've Aired. Yeah, it happens. Uh, yeah, I'm back to normalizing though. So, but no, I'm looking forward to running them. I usually run the games I want uh, during Gen Con or other cons. So I'm looking mm -hmm. forward to picking up some games that aren't in my rotation to really r drive home some fun one shots. Yeah, totally. I I love. Like I have, I have played in a few games of Essence now, and I have loved every single one. Uh, looking, finally, actually playing like an ongoing private game, um, which will be really cool because I've only played and streamed once. Uh, so I'm probably going to switch. I have, I realized that although I, uh, <laughs> I like all kinds of characters, my Essence characters have all been very goth. Like first I played an ending sidereal, and then I played a bat lunar, and then I played a midnight abyssal. So I think I need to just play Shira this time. Like I just need to be a Dawn Solar to just see what it feels like, you know? I mean, hell yeah. I I've never had that experience. <laughs> it it's great when players jump out of their comfort zone. As a as a storyteller, when I run games, I I love to see it. Uh, our rune in our werewolf game, she has never played a warrior class, and she's been playing D and D and other games like for mm -hmm. over a decade and she's like i'm gonna try the arun i'm gonna get out of my comfort zone and she went full full to the wall she's a like, get arun on top of it right and she's having a blast i love that that's so much fun 
All right. Uh, so what would you say is, besides the, uh, the ease of pick up, picking up uh, essences, what would you say is the thing you're proudest of with this new book? Gosh. I mean, really, like, I guess I, I should charm. say, I, okay, I got to say that I'm just proud of my team. I'm going to be the, be the over dev here and just say I'm so proud of my team. We have some stuff we still want to tweak. Condensing all the exalt types into one book is and 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 doing it in under 200,000 words is something that everybody was like, really? You want us to do what? And I was like, yeah, it'll be great. Um, and I am proud of Universal Charms. That was actually one of my suggestions. And I almost never suggest mechanics. I didn't write it, obviously. The people who wrote them did them perfectly. But I was the one who essentially was like, what if everybody had their own version of Fireball? Or, you know, what, whatever, like basic charm. Make, make self stronger. Make self hit harder. Whatever. And then we just did, like, different versions of it for the different exile types. And yeah, I think, I think that came through really elegantly. Yeah, so the genesis of Universal Charms comes from... Um was from a discussion that, that Monica and I had with, with, with Dixie. Mm -hmm. And so the original Genesis actually comes from second edition Lunars, all books, because second edition Lunars had a number of charms that were literally just the solar charm. It, it even said, you know, this is the same as the, the solar charm of the same name, or this replicates solar charm X. And when we were doing third edition, one of the charm designers was doing a kind of worse in other ways and i was like why don't you just give them graceful crane stance and they're like well should we call it something different and i said no just call it literally just call it graceful crane stance it doesn't matter Lures should have this really basic power mm -hmm. so by the time we arrived at you know boiling things down for essence like monica and dixie and i were all on the same page about there are certain capabilities that the exalted should have pretty much across the board, and that they do have just represented in their charm sets, just done in different ways. And so the biggest simplistic element you, you, you could make, biggest the biggest simplification you could do, is to boil those down into universal charms. And modes were based on alchemical, uh, alchemical alterations in their second edition book. And it was just like, well, if you if you buy this cool option, it then it, uh, the charm works a little bit differently, or it works a little bit better that. And they're like, well, if you tie that to the actual exalts, you get a ton of flavor on these universal charms. Okay, no, I, that's a, it's really good. I'm, I'm looking forward to mm -hmm. actually being able to sit down and look at some of the manuscript now. Now that I have some time. I guess we'll uh, give you guys the floor if there's anything else you'd like to say about uh, exalted in general essences or anything like that. The Kickstarter will probably be over by the time this is out, so that'll be on backer kit. Is that correct? I'm, it depends on when this comes out. It might not be up yet. It usually takes a couple of weeks to get backer kit kind of locked down and like ready to go. Uh, so there's often like a couple week period where you can't get it anywhere, and then you can get it again on backer kit. Also, the full manuscript PDF will be released usually a couple weeks after the end of the Kickstarter. So yeah. I just don't know when this is dropping. But yeah, past, past that, I gosh, uh, I gotta say that I'm I'm in love with what my team did. I'm super impressed with all their storytelling advice, their basic combat systems, uh, being able to condense the setting down. Uh, Neil and uh, Chaz Kellner, one of our writers, uh, together worked out that they were going to actually give the real world places that inspired places in creation uh, throughout the creation chapter. Which is really, really cool because if you say like, you know, oh, like in, in, instead of taking 2,000 words to describe a city, you take 500 words and then you have a little sidebar that says, if you need more inspiration, this is essentially, you know, this era, China and the classic Rome mixed together or whatever. And then the players can go Google those places <laughs> and then mush them together. And I think that was a brilliant. And that's one thing that almost everyone that has seen the preview has said that they really, really liked was, was like actually explicitly putting that in the book instead of just doing it behind the scenes. Because no, we've always done that behind the scenes. That's really good. Yeah, no, I really like that. And I'm, I'm also just personally blown away by how much support it's gotten. Um, I know Exalted fans are excited. I know Exalted fans love their, their you know, books, but I didn't know they were going to love it 1,500 more people than supported Lunars or Dragonblooded. 
<laughs> like I'm I'm blown away. We are like we're recording this at the very end of the Kickstarter and just watching to see what that final, you know, 24 hours does. But we've actually gone through almost all the stretch goals that we planned out. We've got a few more as of right now, so we'll we'll see where we end up. But uh I'm I'm just blown away by how much everybody's gotten behind it and how many people have upgraded their pledges after they've seen certain things work because uh, I'm in love with the artwork too since that's something that you know we have to commission so Neil Monica and myself described all the art and of course people who are getting to play their favorite exile type for the first time that's just super exciting for a lot of people so yeah that's there's there's a lot to be excited about I'm really excited to show the folks the new exile types that they've been waiting so long to see we really had to develop them very fully for essence in order to get them out uh, I'm very proud of the Katimians and their their charms and their whole spot in the setting. I think it's really compelling and one of the most heartening things. Alchemicals too. Alchemicals are my are my uh, my quiet underdogs in my fandom. I, I said Lunars and Dragonblood were my favorites in in first edition, but in second edition, because of the book The Autothonians coming sort of just before that, I always had a huge soft spot for Alchemicals and I loved got their own compass book at the end and i love that they got their own manual of exalted power I, I i just love alchemicals so much and so making the change to bring them into creation as part of essence was 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 huge and seeing people really seeing people say stuff like i was never interested in the Gatimians or i was never interested in the alchemicals and now i i i i just want to make a bunch of their characters and, and play them and i'm like great that's yes absolutely Awesome. Yeah. I also appreciate that you guys, for third edition on, have put in pronunciation guides. <laughs> yeah, people have asked for, there's there's a couple more words, like Malpheus, people have asked us to put in there. And what's really funny is that even though we put the pronunciation guides in there, so many people have been saying them one way for 20 years, they're just not going to change, and that's fine. I'm not yeah. going to change them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I think the other thing that I'm super excited about is just the amount of people I've seen who have come to this project saying, like, I was a big fan of Exalted, I kind of fell off for a few years, but now I'm coming back because of this book. Um, and hopefully that'll lead people also to the main 3E line, because that is part of the point of this book, right? Is that, like, oh, you like the Lunars? Pick up the Lunars book and read all about their culture and their canon characters and their NPCs and their places and whatever. Because um, we're not going to put that in our books. We're going to put all these little blurbs about different places you can go and then you have to flesh them out. But if you don't want to flesh them out, like if you want to set a game in the realm, we have a book called The Realm. That's that, That's what you need. <laughs> if you want to set books with dragon-blooded cadet houses, we have uh, the companion to dragon-blooded, uh, Heirs of the Shogunate. So like... There's so much setting info that is still perfectly valid in all those books. And it's really, really well-written setting info. So, like, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that they, 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 they kind of marry together and become best friends, you know? Me too. It's always nice to have people like the thing you like, because it means it keeps going. Well, all right. Hey, thanks both of you for your time. I really appreciate it. Is there any place uh, on the internet that you want to be found? Yeah, uh, you can find me anywhere as Dixie Cyanide, whether it is on Twitter or in the Discords. Um, my website is DixieCochran.com, but mostly just find me in the Discords, hanging out, running around, chatting with people. Uh, you can find me at BurntNeal, B-U-R-N-T-N-E-A-L, on uh, Twitter, but uh, I also hang out in the Discords a bunch. Feel free to, uh, to message me there. All right, perfect. Well, this has been Keegan. This has been GM Talks. You can find us on Facebook, YouTube, Podbean. We're now on Spotify, Pandora, and the Audible Podcasts. But you will never find me on Twitter because I find it a cesspool. Bye. <laughs>